Hey there, Pastor Mark here. It's our prayer that this message would encourage and equip you in your relationship with Jesus. We're able to provide this content due to the joyful generosity of our financial partners. And if you'd be willing to join that tribe and help get some sermons like this around the world, you can donate at harvestbaptist.info slash give. God bless. No further ado, I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna be quiet, but I want you to give a warm welcome. I want you to put your hands together and I want you to welcome Matt as he brings the sermon this morning. Thanks, Pastor Mark. If you would turn your Bibles to Philemon, the book of Philemon, a small book of the Bible, only one chapter, uh, but that's where we're going to be this morning. And we just want to say thank you. We've been here for a little over a year. We moved last June and it has truly been a blessing to us to be here. And we have felt right at home very early on here in our ministry, uh, here at Harvest. And it's become just a great opportunity for us to grow and gain family. Uh, we feel like as we've just been here and grown here over the past year. Uh, and even just, we've been accepted by the teenagers and by teen parents, and it's been so helpful to us uh, in that transition of being somewhere for nine years and now moving here and being able to be a part of a church uh, like this. And we came from a church that was very loving and very uh, became family to us, and we moved right into another one. And we're so thankful for that. And we were able to experience that very early on here as just six months into being being here in ministry, uh, or under six months of being here in ministry, my father passed away in October unexpectedly, and we felt just very loved and very uh, welcomed here, even only being here for a short period of time. And that is not a small task, but it is a, it's a bigger task for you guys uh, to welcome somebody and to show the love even not knowing. And so we appreciate that just from the uh, bottom of our hearts. And we're so thankful that Harvest has truly already become family. And we love being here and we love ministering here. And we love being a part of the youth group and being able to come alongside the parents uh, of the teenagers and being uh, hopefully being a help to them as well. But in the book of Philemon. It's a very small book of the Bible. And Paul writes and he takes a different approach. Most of the time he's writing to a church or to a group of people, but he writes this book specifically to the person of Philemon. And if you would look at verse number one through four, and we're going to just get a small introduction and then we'll pray. And then we'll jump right into the book this morning. Verse number one, it says, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved and fellow laborer, and to our beloved at Phia and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in thy house, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God, making mention of thee always in my prayers. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, dear Lord, I'm so thankful for the opportunity to be here. I'm so thankful for this church and for what it means to us. And Lord, I'm so thankful for just the group of people that are here this morning. Lord, I ask that you would uh, use me in a mighty way. Lord, I ask that you would hide me behind your cross. Lord, I ask that you would uh, give me the words to say. Lord, I ask that every word that comes out of my mouth would be your words and not mine. And Lord, I pray that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
This morning, we are going to take a little different look at the book of Philemon. Even though it's a short book, we're going to walk through the story, and we're going to take it in three parts. I'm a movie uh, watcher. I enjoy watching movies, and I like movies that have a twist or that have, they hide the ending, and it keeps you guessing till the very end, or a new way of shooting the movie or shooting the scene or something. And one of the movies that I can think of that did this was a movie called Vantage Point. It's a movie that came out when I was still in high school, uh, just a few short, I mean, a little bit longer than that now, but just a few short years ago. And what it did was it took a story and it showed the story from five different points of view. And what it did was it took you through the whole movie and from one person's eye shot, and then it would get through that person's point of view, and then it would rewind the entire movie and start all over again from a different perspective or from a different vantage point to be able to see. And at the end of that, it was hopeful that you would see all the different parts and may be able to put the storyline together from the, from the individual there. And I'm a person who, when I read the Bible, I like to look at the Bible and put myself into that situation. I like to put myself in the shoes of the people that it's talking about and kind of think through what they might be feeling or how would I feel in this exact situation when it comes to what God is trying to say or just kind of feel it in my own way. And we're going to do that with three different people this morning and taking a look at the vantage point of three people. Because at the end, it the book of Philemon is a great picture of what God did here on this earth and what it means for us. And it's a great picture for us to see. And this first person we're going to look at is the person that the book is written to. And it's Philemon, but more specifically, he is wounded in this book. He is somebody who has been wronged. And Philemon, we have a short glimpse in who he is, but he's a person in verse number two that talks about the fact that he is the person who has the church in his house. So he would have been a very well-known person. Everybody was coming to his house to go to church, and it was a big deal. And Paul writes this book specifically to him because he knows that in this moment, there's a person that's delivering this letter that has hurt Philemon. And that person, we would find out later, his name is Onesimus. And Onesimus is a servant, or was a servant previously of Philemon, but he has done something wrong to hurt Philemon. He has strained their relationship. And by all accounts, from the way that the book is written, it seems like Philemon and Onesimus were actually close. They were much more than just master and servant, but they had a closer relationship. They had something else that was there, but somebody, or Onesimus, had hurt Philemon. He had wronged him. We know this because Onesimus then also ran away from him and ran for fear of his own life. Now, maybe you're sitting here in this service this morning and you can identify with Philemon and the fact that you've been wounded or you've been wronged or you felt that somebody has put a knife in our back. And you've seen firsthand like Philemon and now you're starting to read this book and Paul starts to go through and he starts to walk through the character of Philemon. And he starts to say certain things that change a lot of the perspective because as Philemon gets this letter, there's a lot of emotions that come in as it's given to him by Onesimus. You know when you see that person walking through Walmart that you know has wronged you? 
Sometimes we avoid them by going down a different aisle or we don't want to be around them. And that, that frustration kind of takes over our mood in that moment. Philemon now has been given a letter by the person who has wounded him, who has hurt him, who has changed all those feelings. And now as Philemon reads, he's reading with the understanding of what am I supposed to do with this man? He's coming back. What am I, what am I supposed to feel? And Paul specifically talks about this in verse number five through seven. He says this, he says, hearing of thy love and faith, which thou hast toward the Lord Jesus and toward all saints, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing, which is in you in Christ Jesus. For we have great joy and consolation that in thy love, because the bowels of the saints are refreshed by thee, brother. Paul writes this to remind Philemon, hey, I want you to remember your character. And as he's reading this, have you ever tried to be, or been buttered up before the, the change of the topic? Paul starts and he says, hey, I want you to remember your love for God. I want you to remember your love for the saints. I want you to remember all of these things and your true character and who you are because I'm about to ask you something and I need you to be in the right frame of mind. Philemon, as he's thinking through this, I am wounded or I'm hurt and I've been wronged by Onesimus. I've gone through this issue with him. Now you have Onesimus handing this over and all that frustration, all that bent up anger possibly that now has come rushing back. Maybe it was gone for a period of time, but maybe it's coming back because Onesimus is standing before him again. That frustration is now put in calm by Paul as he writes, hey, I need you to remember that you love the Lord. You love his word. You love the saints. And I want you to think about these characteristics of who you are before you pass judgment or go through this relationship again with Onesimus and you decide how you're going to relate. Because that wound runs deep. That wound is frustrating. That wound is hurtful in that moment. Philemon is probably even thinking as Onesimus' hands, like what is the, what is the point of this? And as Paul goes through and he asks Philemon to take Onesimus back, He's probably thinking to himself, at least what I would be thinking, how can I let this person who's wronged me back into my house? How can I accept this person who's done hurt to me? I need to protect my family. We think of this, the statement of fool me once, shame on you, but fool me twice, shame on me. I'm not going to put myself in the situation that would let me fall that would let me have the same hurt come back into my life. I want to protect myself. And Philemon has just got to be thinking through as he reads this, whether to himself or maybe publicly, man, how can I do this? How can I, how can I allow the wound to be healed in this moment as Onesimus is standing before him? We have Philemon or the wounded but we also have the fallen in Onesimus. See Philemon here, he is the person wronged and his, he starts to read this letter from Paul. Things change because Onesimus is the one possibly handing it to him, but he's there at least. And Onesimus goes through this knowing that he's done wrong. 
He knows that he has done the hurt. He knows that he has fallen away from grace from the side of his master. And he's got to be thinking as he hands this over, or at least I would, I hope this letter works, right? He's got to be wondering how in the world Philemon's gonna feel as he reads this and he hands over because by all accounts, this is a big step of faith by Onesimus. Onesimus in verse number 10 is called a son of Paul and he is writing as a brother to, in Christ to now Philemon. And he goes into this wanting to make things right, but by law, Onesimus deserves the full weight of the Roman law of punishment on him. See, as a servant under Roman law, he was told that he has to obviously honor his master and do these things. But if he's wronged his master, the master has the ability to basically cause all pain and suffering that he wants. And if that wasn't enough, Onesimus has now taken flight for fear of his life for the wrong that he has done. And now he's got to be, he's living scared. We don't know if it was a few weeks or a few years, but Onesimus was on the run. And Roman law even stated that anybody who would help them, the runaway slave, could go under the same predicament or same punishment as the slave who ran away. Onesimus now is coming back humbly knowing the possibility of punishment is at hand because he's fallen. He's condemned by Roman law. He's set aside for major punishment. And I don't know about you, but if I'm Onesimus and when I've gotten myself caught into trouble and I have to come back and lick my wounds or humbly come back, there's a lot of feelings inside. There's a lot of desires that I don't know what's going to happen. There's a lot of uneasiness or nerves. Possibly even Onesimus handing this letter to him without even being able to make eye contact. He's sitting there as he hands this over and wondering if the words of Paul are going to allow him to continue to becoming a better man or if the words of Philemon will be, here's your punishment. Paul then comes before him or to writes to Philemon. He says this in verse number 11 or verse number 10 and 11 says, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds which in times past was to thee unprofitable, but now profitable to thee and to me. Paul writes this, these words of this wordplay towards Onesimus. Onesimus' name means profitability or useful. And he has not lived up to his name. He has not lived up to who he's supposed to be. And names meant a lot in the Bible. The definition of your name meant a lot. And as Onesimus comes before him, he's sheepishly coming to say, hey, I'm sorry and make things right because there's a difference that has happened in his life. But he knows before he was completely unprofitable. And Paul makes this statement, hey, he's going to be profitable now. Onesimus, as he's standing there and listening to these words possibly read out loud, man, it's got to change him. It's got to be a big thing for him to know that Paul's on his side and maybe he's able to lift his head up now as somebody who is willing to get back on track, as somebody who is willing now to say, hey, I've taken responsibility, but I'm ready to be profitable again. 
I didn't know if it was possible to be profitable, but I know that I can be, and I want to change. I've had this change in my life. Paul then writes later on in verse number 18, he says this, he says, if he hath wronged thee or oweth thee aught. It was a statement for Paul to say, listen, I know he's done this. It wasn't a question on Onesimus' end if this was gonna happen. But now the question for Onesimus is, is this letter going to have weight? And as he stands before Philemon, thinking, man, I don't know if I can come back from this. As he humbly comes before him, knowing that he's messed up and wondering what the verdict's gonna be on his life. You have the third person who's involved in this story, who is Paul. And he becomes the advocate for Onesimus, but not only for Onesimus, he becomes the advocate for Philemon as well. Because Paul, he takes two approaches to this letter as he writes about the wrongs of Onesimus, but the relationship that he has with Philemon. He has a special relationship with Philemon. He is a friend of Philemon. And as he writes this, he tells him, hey, I want you to do this, not because of me necessarily, but because it will benefit you. Because as the wounded, as the wounded party in this, if you allow frustration and bitterness to come into your life, it will ruin you. It will take hold of you. It will take a grip that will not be able to be let go. It will be a big ordeal and it will change your life. This is why he points back to Philemon and says, hey, listen, I know you love God. I know you love the Lord. I know you love the Bible. I know you love all the saints. I need you to understand this because if you change that now and to condemn Onesimus, that's gonna eat you away for life. It's gonna be a problem. If you let bitterness sit in, it's going to be an issue. And Paul's able to do this because of being a friend of Philemon. He tells honestly to Philemon, hey, you need to do this, not necessarily, com or not completely because of Onesimus, but you need to do this for you because it will be helpful to you to forgive and to let it go. He's also the advocate for Onesimus though. Onesimus is guilty. He's condemned, he's fallen away. And now Paul, though, is putting himself in place of Onesimus. If you would look down at verse number 18 again, it says this. It says, if he hath wronged thee or oweth thee aught, put that on mine account. That's a big statement from Paul. Paul's going through this list of things of who Onesimus now has become. He's a brother to me. I am his father. He's my son in the faith. He's changed. And maybe even as he's reading these things, Onesimus starts to perk up as we talked about. Maybe even as he's reading this, he doesn't even realize what Paul really thinks of him to this point. It could have been sealed letter. Have you ever been introduced by somebody? And they give all these really nice things to say about you and you don't realize the true feelings in that moment. It changes you when you have somebody kind of go to bat for you or say nice things about you. It's a good feeling. It changes everything. And sometimes we even kind of embellish these things, not to be rude or, but to create that relationship with the person that you're talking to and with the person that you're introducing. 
we just got back from Arizona back at the end of June, and Dave Miller was asked to introduce one of uh, the speakers from that day from our church to the group of people. And Dave gets up and he starts into this elaborate story about Jim November. And the first encounter with Jim November that he has with them, and the fact is that he's walking through Pittsburgh and he tells all these eerie details of walking through a, a dark alley. And he starts to say that he's about to get jumped by this group of people. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, comes a guy and he starts using karate to defend and to fight off this group of guys. And he starts to talk about how Jim November saved his life and he owes his life to Jim November. The whole time, Jim's sitting on the second row like, I have no clue what he's talking about. <laughs> he's sitting there with this dazed look of, where is this going? And why is he telling this lie? And at the end, he says, I'm just kidding. And everybody laughed. And it was a great introduction to that thing. Now, what nobody else knew except for Dave and I was I texted Dave right before he got up and said, you should go through this elaborate story and then get up and say, just kidding. And I don't know why he believed that he should because I texted him, but he did. And it was hilarious. But at the same time, it was funny to be able to get Dave to do something. But you have this moment of Paul really thinks this about me. He believes that I'm profitable. He believes that I've changed. He believes that I deserve this. He believes in me. But I told him that I did this. I told him that I've done wrong. I told him that I deserve the punishment. But now Onesimus has changed because now he has somebody who believes in him and fights on his behalf, even when he doesn't deserve it at all. Doesn't that take the picture of what Christ did for us? When we did not deserve it because of our sin and we fall short of the glory of God, that Jesus came down to this earth and he hung on a cross because he loved you and me. Jesus was our greatest advocate. And as Paul says, put that on my account. He says, don't worry about Onesimus' debt if he owes you something. I, didn't, I know he owes you something, but don't worry about it. I'm going to pay it. I'm going to wipe his slate clean. I'm going to take care of him because of who he is to me now. Jesus, when we were unlovable, he came down to this earth. And now as one day we will stand before God and we make our case for why we should go to heaven I don't have to make it. Onesimus didn't come to Philemon and say, please take me back. I really need you to do this. And he hands him the letter and Paul explains everything. And one day when we stand before God and we start to say, well, I, Jesus is gonna step in before him. And say, I've taken his place. Look at my hands. Look at my feet. Look at the scars on my brow. Look at the pierced side from the spear. I've paid his debt. He deserves this. As Paul goes before Philemon, he says, don't worry about his debt. If there's anything owed to you, I will take care of it. 
I believe in him this much. Now that has to change Onesimus as he hears this. Maybe it's the first time. Now Onesimus says, man, I can't mess up again because I don't want to make Paul a liar. I don't want to make Paul doubt me again. I want to put my faith in the fact that I am doing a good job for Paul's sake because he took my place. We have three people. Maybe some of us in here are the wounded. We're Philemon in this story. We're dealing with somebody and the struggles of being frustrated with something that we feel that has wounded us, stabbed us in the back. And all we can think about right now is the frustration and the bitterness that's possibly taking hold in my life. Let me urge you to forgive because it will eat you alive. It will consume your heart and it will consume every part of who you are. Jesus was promoted or come to with this exact question. He was asked, hey, how many times should we forgive once, twice, three times? Jesus said, no, you should give 70 times seven. Now the number is not important really in this matter, but he's really telling them you should always forgive. There shouldn't be a number category or a, a check mark by their name. When they get to 491, hey, they're out. I'm done. No, forgive them for, for always because it's better for you to forgive than to hold that grudge and to allow bitterness to consume you. And forgiveness is not based also on the fact of somebody asking for it. You can forgive without ever needing somebody to come and say, hey, I've wronged you. Lay that weight aside. Maybe you're wounded, but maybe you feel like you've fallen. Maybe you feel like you've become condemned and that nobody can look at you. As Onesimus is on the run, he's probably worried every time he sees even somebody remotely that he thinks recognizes him, that can turn him in by Roman law. He has to hide. Makes him nervous. Maybe it makes us nervous because we're struggling and we feel like we've fallen away and we feel like that we are unprofitable, like Onesimus probably did. Let me tell you there's hope because we have advocates. We have a family, but we have an advocate with the Father who is always the Father looking out away, looking afar off as the, in the prodigal son who is ready to run to you and to call you his son and to tell the family to kill the fatted calf and to welcome you home. We also have friends Paul was an advocate not only to Onesimus in his time of being fallen, but he was an advocate for people to do the, for his friend to do the right thing. It's for his friend to grow. For his friend to make the right choice, even when it was difficult or hard. This would not have been an easy conversation for even Paul to make. But we have this opportunity. Whether we're Philemon, whether we are Onesimus, or whether we get to just sit here and say, I get to be a Paul. 
Or maybe this is for the never forgetting work that Christ has done to be our advocate. As we think about what Christ has done for us on the cross, it should spur us on to do more. It should perk us up to say, God took my place. I want to give everything for him because of what he's done.